Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning! Morning! Good morning! Good morning? You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Please go away! Let me speak for the love of God! Good morning, or good afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, or whatever time of day you're listening to this episode. It's great to be talking with you. Obviously, you're listening to Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast from FakeShamp.net. Find us on Podbean, iTunes... YouTube, Facebook, wherever you get your podcast from, just don't bother with Spotify because mm. our previous podcast incarnations are on there, but the damn streaming service just doesn't want to connect with us. So um, watch this space because it's not for lack of us trying. Yes. You say dogs. I did. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they are bloody dogs, yeah, yeah, but we want to keep them on side. Friendly dogs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, stick around for the next hour as the two of us play movie pinball and we bounce a heap of movie banter off each other. We also have our regular segments from Adam Ross and Screen Realm and there's a substitute teacher stepping in for Jarrett this week. So that should be fun. I think this guy might have his head screwed on. I think he does, which <laughs> makes for a nice change. Anyway, Keith, how are you? I'm swell, mate. I'm I th- well. I think it's the perfect time for a freshly brewed cup of coffee. What do you say? I would say no to that and raise you a freshly brewed Lipton. Harvey, want anything special for your birthday? Just a decent cup of coffee. You're kidding. I'm serious. Honey, your coffee's undrinkable. That's pretty harsh. Well, so's your coffee. (laughs) I enjoy that ad, Glenn. I can see that the deck is stacked slightly in your favour here. (laughs) I am not a dirty player. That is not fair. How about this? You jingle in a cup, you dangle in a pop, the jiggle dangle bag lets you do the lot. What about the tea? Please taste it and you will see. Don't you agree? That's really splendid tea. My goodness me, I'll take a ton. This tea is quality number one. Indeed, it is. It's quality number one. Quality number one, number one, and quality. It suits it, mate. I, you know, I bet you that woman in the coffee commercial. I bet you she could dunk a tea bag. <laughs> the battle of the blend rages on, my friend. Indeed. Anyway, uh, let's move on, shall we? I think we should. Okay. Well, what movies have you been watching this week? What have I been watching? Well, I watched a film which I won't reveal now because I'm going to recommend it later. But I did watch. You know me, Glenn, being a man of of extreme taste. I watched Doctor Strange Love last night, actually. One of my favourite films just never gets old. It's, it's rewatchable quality is high. <laughs> it's a good film. It's a sensational movie. People, if you listeners watch Doctor Strange Love, if you haven't, if you have watched it, then watch it again. Where does it stack up on your Kubrick? Kubrick is an ongoing motive on is. our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> What's where does it stand? Do you know what? I I've spent many an hour thinking about this. <laughs> I would say it's my favourite Kubrick film. I don't want to give away too much in case we cover the great man. But I would say it's number two or three. Top three material. Top three. I would agree with you. Yeah. It's funny as all heck It's too. hilariously funny. Is that it? You've been two movies this week? Yeah, been pretty much. I've watched some television shows, but I, you know, we're not going to discuss them. What yeah. about you? Anything? I've been watching a lot. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been off my day job for a little while yes. now, two weeks, and it's been great. So I've watched a lot of things as well as doing all of my media commitments, one of which I will address later in the show alongside you. But I watched one this week. Uh, speaking of Kubrickism, I watched one called Full Metal Ninja, <laughs> which is a, you know, a very tacky ninja movie from the 80s. Wow. It's good stuff. It's a great title. Yeah, that was uh, just on Tubi, one of the streaming services. Can I ask, did that come out before or after Full Metal Jacket? I'm pretty sure it was after. Because if it came out before, oh, yeah. we'd accuse Stanley of plagiarism. <laughs> yeah, damn. <laughs> yeah, uh, I watched one called Circus of Books, which is a new documentary on Netflix. Yes. Very good. Yep. Quite um, enlightening. Uh, I watched Natural Born Killers. You did. I, I did see that. Absolute favourite of mine. You love it, don't you? I absolutely adore it. And the more I watch it, the more I get out of it. I've seen it probably, I reckon, 20 times wow, since okay. it got released. And yeah, it's just phenomenal. Favourite 
Oliver Stone film for you, I, I actually believe. think it is. Yeah. I mean, I love Oliver Stone. I don't think he's made a good film for quite a long time. He has. I think, like, I mean, a lot of people don't like U-Turn, but I think that's sort of where the where the line ends for me. Mm. After okay. U-Turn, it's sort of, it's all okay. Yeah, like passable, but nothing great. Yeah, that's right. Savage is pretty good. Mm. Um, Wall Street 2. Wall Street 2 is actually pretty Solid. good, um, but not up to snuff. No. Uh, I watched the Hannibal films, you know, Silence of the Lambs and... Can Hannibal, I, yeah. Did Hannibal hold up? Uh, yeah, we oh, discussed does, it, this. does it ever? I need to see it again. It's been years. They are, yeah, back to back. I did Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal back to back in one sitting and then did Red Dragon, like, you know, the next night or whatever. But um, it all holds up really well. Yeah. And it used to bother me the age discrepancy with Red Dragon and Silence. Mm. You know, he's supposed to be younger, but he looks 11 years older. Yes. But it doesn't matter. Okay. It's it still a great matter. performance. Yeah, because it's a great, yeah. Really good stuff. Red Dragon, I always remember the opening scene when Edward Norton catches it. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's really good. Mm. And because he got that um the orchestra and the, the guy That's right, he miss, kills. misses his notes. Oh my god. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, good stuff. But I, I just think it's a hugely, hugely underrated film. But we've we've talked about that. We before. have. Um so hey, Jarrett is uh away for this week. And next week too, I believe. Been has he been put away? <laughs> He's he has not been reprimanded, but uh we've got to have words with the man, don't we? <laughs> Before the authorities do. <laughs> He's been it's cheeky. Um, but we do have a substitute coach in his place. And as I said before, he's got his head screwed on. So let's uh, let's see what's happening in home entertainment this week. G'day, sports fans. Coach here, filling in for Jarrett Garn on this week's PE Class, Australia's premier physical media report. Roadshow Home Entertainment kicked the segment off this week with the release of its animated feature, Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's Revenge on Blu-ray and DVD. Think the classic 90s X-Men the animated series, but add in blood, guts, and kicks to the nuts. There's also incredibly graphic limb-severing, brain-bashing, and rude swears, so parents be warned. Your kids will love it. There is no 4K available here in Australia, though there is in the US. That release is also chock-full of extras including a commentary and a host of featurettes. I have no information on what extra features are present in the local discs, However, Roadshow amended their original 79-minute classification submission with a 175-minute redo, so it's looking pretty good. Next up are Eagle Entertainment, who have four DVD releases this week. First on the chopping block is Craig William McNeil's Lizzie, starring Chloe Savini and Kristen Stewart. The latest biopic of alleged axe murderer and all-around strange fruit Lizzie Borden, the last one being 2014's Lifetime TV Movie of the Week, Lizzie Borden Took an Axe, starring coach favourite Christina Ricci, Lizzie boasts a 101-minute runtime and features some fairly graphic axe kills, full frontal nudity, and a little light romantic fingering between its two leads. High deaf heads will have to throw some money overseas to see this one on Blu-ray, though in this humble sports fanatic's opinion, the Aussie artwork is the superior of the two. There is a supplementary featurette on the US release, a 10-minute EPK, which sports some fairly decent interviews, but case you fans should be aware that only the Zathura star's voice is present. Next is the Blumhouse horror film Bloodline, starring the goons Sean William Scott. The story of a fiercely protective father willing to go to brutal lengths to protect those he cares about marks Scott's second appearance in a horror film, his first being the 2005 smash hit Final Destination. Also available on Blu-ray in the US, Neither release boasts any extra features of any kind, but a 5.1 DTS HD Master Audio track is available on the HD version. Eagle's final two releases this week, the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them-esque Abigail, and the Jewish folklore version of Frankenstein's monster, The Golem, have both seen Blu-ray releases overseas. The Golem in February last year, and Abigail more recently in March. No extras on either local releases which match up with the US Abigail, but fall short on the US The Golem, which boasts several features and an audio commentary. Well, that's it for physical releases from me this week, so I'm going to hit the showers. And remember, you can't win a pissing contest with a prick. This is The Coach, signing off. Live from America's premier horror and paranormal convention, every Friday night, Scarefest Television brings you guests from the horror and paranormal fields, plus featured movie reviews, entertainment features, and short films. Watch us live every week at ScarefestRadio.com or via Facebook and Twitter by following The Scarefest. Scarefest Radio, the radio you can see. So in case any of you listening don't know, I do present a weekly segment on Scarefest TV that looks back on Aussie horror films that the American audience might not have heard of. So the show goes out live at 11am every Saturday morning here in Australia, which is obviously Friday night in America. But if you're too lazy, uh, you can go and find those specific segments of mine catalogued at fakeshamp.net or on our YouTube channel. And of course, before that, we heard from uh, Jarrett's substitute coach, 
Ben Helwig from Monster Pictures and from Monster Fest. Big, big thanks to Ben for stepping up to that challenge. It was a great segment. Um, so thanks a lot, mate. Exciting news from Monster is that their Friday Fright Nights return next week after a couple of weeks off, which is uh, May 29th. And, um, and they will be screening a mystery movie as well as revealing their next season's programming, which I believe goes from June 5th to July third so put that one in your diary friday fright nights are heaps of fun but keith my old friend mm. here's something that's going to put a smile on your dial or perhaps a, the silver in your hammer <laughs> uh this week so 50 years ago this week let it be by the beatles the film itself was released indeed and uh would you like to elaborate on the film and maybe tell people why this film is i, I guess controversial i can with pleasure oscar winning film i believe it won best original score is that so? From the boys. For uh, a film that won an Oscar that practically got shelved for the rest of time. That's exactly right. So, yeah, obviously, Fly on the Wall, making of, directed by um, Michael Lindsay Hogg, I believe, who obviously was wanting to capture the Beatles. The idea was that the Beatles would record an album, um, rehearse it, and then perform it live, and the film would capture that, you know, the studio dynamic. Obviously, the story of the Beatles were breaking up, a lot of tension, infighting, and... One Paul McCartney did not enjoy the way he was depicted in the film, even though if you watch it, I don't think he comes across that poorly at all, but in his mind he does. He doesn't whatsoever. No. He comes across as frustrated. Yeah, he, you can see that he's the man trying to keep these three disinterested people you know, on point. And there is the one scene where he has the argument with Harrison, but even that's pretty mild. Um, I do know that him and Lennon came to blows, but that they obviously deleted that footage. Maybe Peter <laughs> Jackson will restore it. Well, I think the, um, the, the, the argument he has with Harrison, I think he's on the good side of that argument. Yeah. Because I think the disinterest and the, you know, just, he didn't give a shit. Well, that's right. Yeah. And I think Harrison was trying to do a guitar like every other line in Paul's song and he just, well, it wasn't suitable. Yeah. So yeah. So basically it's been shelved. So it came out in the theatres. I believe it won the uh, won the Oscar for best original score. Since then, it's been on the shelf for fifty years. Important historical document. It's been bootlegged over it's been and over. Bootlegged. I've got a shoddy copy. So do I. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's 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 one, and it was the last film they had to do to fulfil their contract with the film. Uh, with the film was company. Wasn't made with the knowledge they were busting up. No. So it, they they released the White Album in November, and this was filmed two months later when they decided to do another album, yes. which is just insane. Yeah. Like bands, you just wouldn't do that. Like no. you've released a double album, you would have for like three years off. So there was probably a lot of pressure and tension. One Yoko Ono is obviously there. <laughs> obviously she is a spanner in the works, shall we say. Mm. But that's basically why it hasn't been released. McCartney does not like the way he's portrayed and it doesn't fit his narrative of the Beatles that he's constructed. Yeah. I think he's a prickly pear. He's an interesting cat. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've watched him, you know, over the years doing his solo stuff and in interviews. He's quite standoffish. He is he's very yeah, it's very calculated persona, which yeah. doesn't you can see through the cracks, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well anyway, um rather than discuss the Beatles themselves which I'm sure you could talk about ad nauseum until the next James Bond movie comes out, right? Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you could. So I thought that we might talk about the movies that are related to the Beatles or, you know, yeah. sort of spun off of their, uh, inspired by their work. Yeah. What are some of your favourites here? Or <laughs> none of them are your favourite because they're not actually the Beatles. Uh, no, there's a couple that I have a soft spot for. So the one that comes to mind is Backbeat. The 1994 film about their days in Hamburg with Stu Sutcliffe. He's kind of the focus of that film, isn't he? Yeah, he is. That's a good film. I think that's probably, dare I say, underrated. I reckon it's a great film. It's a good film. Came yeah. at a time, I think, too, when that sort of um, greaser kind of movie was sort of rising up. There were yeah. other films. In Australia, we had The Delinquents. You had those sort of movies. Great you know? call. And yeah. I just think it sort of it, it fit the time. It's And it's a really interesting story. Like, I think it's the, it's the thing people mis make the mistake of with the Beatles is trying to tell the whole story. You should tell, because uh, they're so, you know, they're so covered. Like, everyone, how many books have been written about them? Doco. So, to do that story, which may not, you know, be, I suppose, not many as many people will know that. I think it's a great idea. It's captivating. And I think as well, uh, just in the whole zeitgeist of the Beatles, too many people know their story yeah. back to front. That's so right. So when you try to adapt it, you're never going to please everyone. Yeah, you, like me. You need to illuminate something it's else. It's going to piss people off. Yeah. Um, what are some others? I mean, 
Two of Us is one of my favourites. Two of Us is a good one. Yes. See, that is an interesting idea. Again, an off-the-wall idea. And and it, it addresses a story that people know happened, but nobody was a fly on the wall to know the details. That's so right. So they can fill in that gap really nicely. Yeah. So the, the premise of that one, if you've never seen it, is uh, John and Paul reunite in... 76. Yeah, in John's apartment or Paul's? Yeah, John's. In John's, in New York. Yes. Yeah, and they just get together and they sort of iron out their differences. Mm. It's great. Yeah, it is. And it's based because Lorne Michaels... You know, he threw on Saturday night. He's like, "If you come down, reform the Beatles, we'll give you twenty four bucks, which is like the the standard fee." And they watched it, and they almost went. Yeah, they just they just couldn't be bothered because it was just down the road from Lennon's house. Yeah, like imagine that. It was oh. amazing, but they almost did it. So that's a really good one. I, I like it. it. I think it slipped under the radar. I, yeah, I, I, was it made for television or cable? I think it may have been made for cable. Yeah. I don't know if it was like a cheap HBO film. So it never got theatrical. It no. wasn't you know celebrated or lauded, but it was good. It's a good I film. liked it. Um, Nowhere Boy is a recent one. Nowhere Boy is a good one. Again, you know, trying to highlight that, you know, Leonard's teenage years of angst. Who is... Oh, the name escapes me. Oh, who Who's, played him? Yeah, yeah, Aaron I, Johnson. Is that it? I can't Aaron, remember. Who married the director, I believe, in controversial circumstances. But <laughs> he's probably a little too Hollywood attractive to play Lennon, but it's a minor gripe. He, he's very good. I think playing Lennon in particular... Is a hard thing to do, from what I've observed. Without caricature. That's right. I've seen you've seen Mark McGann played him, um, Christopher Eccleston. These great actors, and they don't quite nail it. We talked recently about him mm. yesterday with Robert Carlyle. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which is an interesting little. That was a little, cheat because they latexed his face yeah, to make him look the same. CGI'd him. Yeah, they, they did. Put Macker in. But all you got to do is talk like that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Talk about Japanese women, and you've nailed it. <laughs> but uh, what do you actually? What do you think of yesterday? Yeah, I'm. I'm sort of. It's a middle, middle yeah. road film for me. I, I did, a lot of people hated it. Like I, yeah. I went on a radio show late last year to talk about the best of the year and the worst of the year. Okay. And on everyone sitting on that panel, it was their worst of the really? year. Really? I just couldn't fathom That's it. Staggering. Yeah. I and I mean, I watched it. And I'm like, yeah, this is okay. It was inoffensive. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Uh, I like the. Wouldn't call it a twist, but you know, there's there's two mysterious characters that are sort of following this guy that's yeah. you know, essentially plagiarizing the Beatles and you you know you think they are one thing and they're actually another I like that yeah. that was really nice um yeah no non-offensive mate. yeah like it's, I think oh sorry it's not on. Danny Boyle's best no <laughs> it's not I think with that concept it could have been something brilliant but obviously they focus more on the love story instead of the concept. But it's it's a fine, it's fine. But what, is that Richard Curtis? He, Richard Curtis yeah, wrote it. That's yeah. why it's yeah. the focus on a love story. Yeah. Uh, I think the disappointing element of it is the fact that it's Danny Boyle. Mm. It could have been you know Paul Fig or someone like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Paul cool. Fig just did the George Michael film. Paul, you love that one. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm all about George. We will have Paul Fig on the show. In a, we will in a few months. <laughs> 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 what about movies that are inspired by the Beatles? I'm sure you're a massive fan of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Oh, uh, that's is almost that's almost as good as the album. <laughs> I think um I think a word that you'd use would be diabolical. Yeah, it's diabolical. Yeah, oh, it's the Ruddles is good. All you need is cash. The Ruddles is amazing. Very Monty Python esque. Sensational. Now, George Harrison produced it, right? He did, yeah. Handmade films. He produced a lot of great films. So he did, yeah. but that is fascinating because in the Ruddles, Yoko is portrayed as a Nazi. Yeah, he hated Yoko, but like to <laughs> so blatantly make her yeah, a Nazi. Yeah, it's brutal. It's and then accuse her dad of inventing World War Two. <laughs> oh my god, it is hilarious. Yeah, it's so edgy. I remember seeing that like for the first time, thinking, "How did you, like you? You were one of the Beatles." Yeah, like, I know. That's staggering. I oh, yeah. knifes her out. But I tell you, Lennon loved it. The only Beatle who did not like that film was Paul. The other three, stick in the mud. yeah, the other three loved it. Even Lennon, he's basically calling his wife a Nazi. <laughs> he would, yeah. yeah I mean, he it. would see the humor of it from being the center of the attention. Yeah, that's with right. That whole debacle. Yeah, but yeah, great film. Uh, did you ever see part two? I never have. No. Yeah. Uh, what was it called? Can't buy me lunch. <laughs> Ruddles too can't buy I never put that on the list. Well, Robert Zemeckis, I want to hold your hand. Is that? Yeah, um, that's recently had a Criterion Blu-ray yeah. release, which um, I want, but it's very expensive. Yeah, there is a regular Blu-ray, like mm. a, a UK Blu-ray, but okay. I want that Criterion one yeah. now. It just yeah. looks delicious. Sounds tasty. I've only seen the film the one time. Yeah, you Bob Gale it. wrote it. Wow, there you go. Yeah, Back wow. to the Future. Bob yeah, Gale. of course. Uh, what else? Oh, one I want to talk about from 1992. It's called Secrets. Have you heard or seen this one? I have not. Yes. Uh, it's Tell got me. another name everywhere else in the world. Uh, I think it's called like The Night That Was or something like that. Okay. 
uh, One Magic Night, something like that. But it's Noah Taylor is in it, Danny Minogue is in it. Wow. And it all takes place in Melbourne when the Beatles arrive. Oh, wow. And four, maybe five teenagers sneak into the hotel through the basement to get locked in the basement. So they end up missing the entire Beatles hysteria. They can hear it happening outside. <sighs> They thought they were getting into the hotel to meet the Beatles. Yeah. They get locked in and then it becomes a breakfast club story where their secrets get revealed and they become like this really close-knit bunch of mates. That sounds great. It is a really Secrets. Good I'm yeah. going to put that down. That sounds brilliant. It's very good. I have a funny feeling it's fairly easy to find online just to watch through a streaming service. It's yeah. not YouTube. Um, yeah, it's good. I will check that out. Um, I know you're not a huge fan of Across the Universe. I was waiting for this moment to come. You're quite fond of the film, I believe. I love the film. Yeah. It's my partner's favourite film. I remember you saying that. And, you know, because of that, we watch it quite a lot, mm. at least once a year, and mm. I don't get sick of it, I've okay. got to admit. That's great. All right, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> uh, there's a new one coming out, I believe. Um, Peter Jackson is directing. Ah, uh, yes, yes. How do you feel about this? Oh, I'm feeling good. You know. I'm you know feeling good. Are. Get off, back. Off the back of, um, was it Ron Howard's? Amazing documentary. That is a fantastic film. Eight days a week. Brilliant. The, the archival footage that he tapped into was just astounding. It's amazing. And I have a funny feeling that it's going to be the same again. Well, Jack, you know, I don't know if you've seen, you have, but uh, listen, if you've seen the Jackson doco about World War One, uh, They Shall Not Grow Old, which is staggering. Just uh, the amount of the 3D technology he yep. used to restore that footage brings World War One to life. Apparently he's applied the same technology to the boys. And there's about, he discovered about 50 hours of um, unreleased footage, which I find staggering. Yeah. Well, this Can't is wait. interesting because I have a friend whose mum is from Liverpool mm. and she, in the early days of the Beatles, used to carry their cases from the car wow. into the club, even in the, the cavern, right? Wow. So she has told me that she has friends that were in the same circle then that have things that they've never shown anybody. Imagine the amount of memorabilia that exists that just people are holding yeah. onto for you know their own... Personal reasons. See, Glenn, hearing stories like this, it just makes me excited. <laughs> Does something to me. You know, unfortunately, we need to press on. <laughs> we do. But get back. Everyone see it. But um, <laughs> but look, Keith, don't fret because we will be dedicating an entire episode to the films of the yeah, Beatles in great. August. So you're just going to have to make like track number 12 from Rubber Soul and wait. <laughs> what a tune. And he didn't even kiss me goodbye. You know, if I could just make a decent cup of coffee, I could relax. So, relax. Why don't you try instant Folgers? Tastes good as fresh perked. Good as fresh perked? I'll surprise Harvey for his birthday tonight. What's happening, everybody? Guillermo here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favorite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. Let's cover a little bit of what we've covered in the past week up on the website, starting off with the unfortunate passing of Jerry Stiller, the Seinfeld actor and father to Ben Stiller, passed away at 92 years of age. He was a great dad and grandfather and the most dedicated husband to Anne for about 62 years, Ben Stiller posted on Twitter. He will be greatly missed. Love you, dad. Jerry Stiller's career saw a whopping 115 credits according to his IMDb profile. His many credits included a memorable role as George Costanza's father Frank in the hit show Seinfeld, as well as a big role in Kevin Jane's sitcom The King of Queens, 2007's Hairspray, and the two Zoolander films directed by his son Ben. New Zealand actor Temuera Morrison will be continuing on in the Star Wars galaxy in a big way. As Star Wars fans will know, Morrison played Boba Fett's father, Jango Fett, in Star Wars Attack of the Clones and has voiced both Jango and Boba Fett in Star Wars video games. Well, now he'll be playing Boba Fett in The Mandalorian. That's right, Boba Fett will have a part to play in the second season of the Disney Plus series. It's expected to be a small part, but a part nevertheless. Season 2, which will also feature Michael Bean, who's rumored to be playing a bounty hunter from The Mandalorian's past, will be hitting the streaming service in October. And Iron Man is leaving Marvel for DC. Well, not really, but Robert Downey Jr. will be executive producer on Sweet Tooth, a fantasy series based on the DC Comics Vertigo limited series comic Sweet Tooth. The Netflix family-friendly series will tell of Gus, a part-deer, part-boy hybrid who leaves his home in the forest to find the outside world ravaged by a cataclysmic event. He joins a ragtag family of humans and animal children hybrids like himself 
in search of answers about this new world and the mystery behind his hybrid origin. Disney continues to mine their IPs for their streaming service. There's a Percy Jackson series on the way to Disney+. Plus. Rick Riordan, the author of the beloved young adult fantasy series, took to Twitter to announce the news, saying, Hey Percy Jackson fans, for the past decade you've worked to champion a faithful on-screen adaptation of Percy Jackson's world. Some of you have suggested it would be a great series for Disney+. Plus. We couldn't agree more. We can't say much more at this stage, but we are very excited about the idea of a live-action series of the highest quality, following the storyline of the original Percy Jackson five book series starting with the lightning thief in season one many will of course remember the two percy jackson movies percy jackson and the olympians the lightning thief and percy jackson sea of monsters which weren't huge hits but did moderately well stay tuned for more on this one and as always screen realm covers the biggest trailers that drop some interesting ones this week unhinged is one that i'm really looking forward to russell crowe is having a seriously bad day in this upcoming thriller a film that finds the oscar winner playing a character simply credited as the man a troubled dude who gets royally ticked off and one day decides to teach rachel and her son kyle a lesson for blaring their horn at him in traffic. It's something like falling down meets changing lanes and I'm so ready for it. Perhaps the trailer shows it up a little too much, but it looks like fun. The straightforward concept could be the right canvas for a tense as hell ride and Russell Crowe appears to be chewing up that role nicely. If you haven't seen the trailer for Unhinged, jump on screen room, check it out. Netflix also released their official trailer for Snowpiercer the series. Yes, that Snowpiercer. A series adaptation of the 1982 French graphic novel and the Chris Evans starring 2013 film that followed from acclaimed director Bong Joon-ho from Parasite, The Host and Octra fame. Jennifer Connelly and David Diggs from Hamilton are among the big cast of the series which has been in the works for years now. It's finally set to arrive hitting TNT in the US on May 17 and Netflix outside of the US and China on May 25. And we've got another giveaway that's going up thanks to Eagle Entertainment Australia. This one for a horror film called the Gollum, which is like Frankenstein meets the witch. During an outbreak of a deadly plague, a mystical woman must save her isolated, tight-knit community under attack from deadly invaders. So she conjures an entity that she molds out of mud to protect them. But this innocent-looking boy hides a much greater evil. Eagle releases the film on Australian DVD and digital on May 20th, and we have 10 DVD copies up for grabs. Hit Screen Realm, go to our win page, and check out all the giveaways we've got going on. And I'm going to mention it again, my wife and I have a video podcast, Loud Observers, you can just type in Loud Observers on YouTube, we've got two episodes up, episode three will be up shortly, so come hang out with us, and as for this uh, coffee versus tea debate, look, I'm not elderly, and um, I need energy, because I'm doing a lot of stuff, so uh, coffee all the way, alright? Screen Realm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz, I'm out.
Well, that was The Vines doing a cover of The Beatles' I'm Only Sleeping, which is taken from the I Am Sam soundtrack, which is one of the films we didn't actually reference. We didn't. Um, but I, I chose that one because I think that's one of the more palatable of the covers. I think it's a pretty insidious album. It's, it's, a, it's a very difficult listen for me. It is. <laughs> to be honest, most people that cover The Beatles I find challenging. Yeah. They might be my own. There are artists on that that I love that yeah. just can't. They just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Even Eddie Vedder. Yeah, Eddie. What were you thinking, son? And before that, we had uh, Guillermo with his ever-reliable news News. update. Um, Yeah, I mean, I know that this guy gives himself a plug, but I think we should maybe just stop for a minute and just tell people to visit Screen Realm. Yeah. I mean, follow what they do. This guy is a workhorse and he cranks out content like a maniac. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah, so we're really fortunate to have Guillermo as part of our... Show so I just wanted to stop and say, Gemo, thank you, sir. Yes, we salute um, you. Yeah, it's it's good. Just start drinking more tea, son. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so COVID nineteen, this bastard came along and crippled our show right from the start. We're all set to go, and this thing just laid into us real hard. And if you go back and listen to our early episodes, you can see that trajectory quite yes. quite abruptly. <laughs> but the interesting thing is, recently, all of these Zoom reunion presentations are starting to pop up. That being, you know, video mashups of celebrities, you know, reuniting to talk about movies. If you don't know what Zoom is, um, you're living under a rock because, you know, it's about the only news out there at the moment. Yes. It's, it's essentially a, a multi-screen video platform that allows you to conference call. Yeah. And a lot of people are doing it for podcast purposes. Josh Gad has done some incredible stuff over the last couple of weeks. He did one with the Goonies cast and then with the Back to the Future cast, which was so well done. Yeah, I could to see that. It is really good. Zoe Bell, the stunt actress from the Tarantino films, she did one with um, stunt-themed mashup of actresses punching on through the camera. Wow. Very clever. That's cool. And the cast of Tomorrow When the War Began. I don't know why. That film no. sucked. Who's going to watch that? I'm sure the Zoom call was more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it got me thinking, Keith, what would be your dream Zoom reunion? Mm. Do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Wolf of Wall Street cast. Good. I think that Zoom called. I mean, it's because obviously the antics of the of the film characters in that film have seared into my brain. But I think that would be an exceptional Zoom call. Yeah, right. You've got Leo. Yep. You've got Jonah. You've got you've got a, you know John Favreau. You've got Rob Reiner. Then you've got the his his boys like you know his team the Stratonites who are just insane. I reckon that'd be brilliant. You've got. Um, Jean Jardin, the artist guy, who would be grateful to be on a screen anywhere, let's be well, honest. He, well, he's into silent screen, so he'd just be that little guy in the corner that doesn't talk. Smiling. Yeah. <laughs> in he's black on, and white. He's on mute. <laughs> <laughs> but I would I would say the Wolf of Wall Street cast would be right. Yeah. Not Margo. Yeah, I kind of feel that's almost too new. Like we, you know, they've just come. they just come fresh. Fresh. Yeah, but um, What about you, mate? Well, I thought an interesting one would be the a reunion of multiplicity and just have Michael Keaton on every screen. That would be cool. You know, yeah. and he could just talk to himself. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, hey, Steve. Yeah, yeah. that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought, what about a reunion of the entire, as many that are alive, John Hughes film casts? Wow, that's a great one. Like, not just from one film, just like his brat pack. That's brilliant. That yeah, that would be great. I know they've done reunions on stage because that's the thing. I was thinking about all of these things. Who would I get together to do a reunion? And I'm thinking half of these people already do them. Mm. You know, like Hollywood Reporter gets reunions together and mm. Variety, they bring all these people together. Yeah. So it's hard to think of one that hasn't been done. Yeah. And that kind of has been done to a, a yeah. less extent when he passed away, they all got back together. Except for Emilio. I don't think he participated. No, Emilio says something. Come on, Emilio. Come on, Emilio, son. Step up. Molly Ringwald did, and then she went and slagged him off yeah. years later. Molly. Molly. <laughs> That's why your career hasn't progressed. <laughs> but I also thought, what about uh, the cast of Office Space? Oh, that's a brilliant one. How good is that one? I was literally just thinking, what about the, the cast of Cool Runnings? But um, the oh, cast... <laughs> oh, yes. That would be That would great. be um, amazing. John Candy, just a, a Minus John. The bottom. That's yeah. right. But um, the, yeah, Office Space. That's a brilliant call. That would be, that's a great film. Hilarious. Is, is it ever? Do you like Mike Judd's films? Oh, I, you know, I'm not too familiar with a lot of them. You'd have to give me some titles, but that one. Oh, okay. Um, oh, good one. Now you put me on the spot. Um, yeah. <laughs> Extract was one he did, which I thought was quite good. Idiocracy. I've heard of that too. That is a really underrated film. I haven't seen it. It takes the concept kind of like a Futurama where this guy sort of hibernates through mm. history, wakes up a thousand years later, and society is stupid. Yeah, like okay. Like really stupid. Yeah. Which is like a progression that we argue that we're making, right? Indeed. And so 
he wakes up, he's an average guy, fairly low IQ, turns out to be the smartest person in the world. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Great concept. I'll have to check that out. Um, anyway, I digress. UHF, the Weird Al Yankovic film. <laughs> now, there is a reunion I want because you've got Widow Yankovic, you've got Fran Drescher, you've got um, Michael Richards, mm. who's vanished off the face of the earth yeah. since his you know, little racist tirade. Indeed. Shame uh, on you, son. It is a really cool yeah. film. Um, That's a good one. Can we can we pick a film that features Randy Quaid? So you want Caddyshack 2? <laughs> How about the National Lampoon's cast? No? Well, they kind of have. Have like, they? Well, okay. You could argue that Vegas Vacation was one big reunion because it was a shit movie. Yeah, it was bad. You get Wayne Newton in there. <laughs> what about, um? I mean, it's a shame Heath Ledger's not still around. You get Brokeback Mountain, you get him in there. Yeah. Just, you just, he wouldn't do it. <laughs> no, I know, not for that it. film. I don't think he'd be up for any of these. He he would have an incredibly captivating and slightly terrifying Zoom call, that man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was a very straight shooter. <laughs> he was. Took his craft very seriously. He did. Still does. <laughs> <laughs> Come on the show, Randy. Anyway. I totally thought you were talking about Heath Ledger. Oh. <laughs> I was talking about Randy. Hey, great coffee. It's instant Folgers. Doesn't it taste good as fresh perked? Better. Better than those girls make at the office. Honey, their coffee can't hold a candle to yours. So if you listen to our show every week, but you don't follow us on social media, then you wouldn't know that each week we play a game of spitball. Uh, it's, a, it's a video that we put on social media where we just essentially throw a spitball at a DVD collection and discuss wherever it lands. Indeed. Uh, last week, uh, we failed to get that video up just for technical reasons, so we thought that we'd make up for it on this show. So we're going to do a little bit of a spitball segment, one spitball each, and just see where it takes us. Am I going first? Oh, yeah, you go, mate. Keith just threw, I just threw a spitball at me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and for, you know, COVID reasons, we're not going to actually use spitballs. We're clean individuals. We're dunking, we care about people. We're dunking tissue in we water. Are. Boom. Oh. Every time I throw one of these things, it lands between movies. Okay, so it's landed underneath. <laughs> going down? We're going down? A fistful of dollars <laughs> and above. Grease. Grease. We, we, do you want to go half-half? If it was your choice, I know where this would go. Let's, let's just go half. Let's hit Grease first and then discuss the dollars. Grease is the word, my friend. <laughs> your thoughts. Tell, I've never actually got your take on Grease. Well, I think you know what I'm going to say. Can you predict what my next line would be? I believe you're going to say you like it, you appreciate it, but Grease 2 is where it's at. Yep. <laughs> Grease 2 was uh, directed by Patricia Birch, who choreographed the first film. Okay. Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer? Yep. Yes. And um, was it Maxwell Crawford? Not sure. Yep. Uh, it's a good film. It takes place like the next year or two years later. Mm. whole new group of teenagers. Continue. Motorbike rebels in this one, not cars. But anyway, back to Grease. Like, you know, that's where it landed. We've got to be true to this game, Grease. mate. Yeah, I like Grease a lot. I enjoy it. I think it's good. It's like it's become a it's become a classic uh, rite of passage film. Mm-hmm. Do you know the reception it got at the time? I don't know. Like, obviously, big hit. It was pretty big. Yeah, it was pretty big. I mean, it, the soundtrack helped it. I remember yeah. the vinyl was a big fold out. I think it was like four. Wow. Records acclaimed critically. Uh, yeah, I'd say Middle, so. Yeah, yeah, it was fairly well acclaimed. Okay. Like, I I don't know the exact critic response to be honest Same. with you. But it's something that most of us of our generation have grown up with. Oh, I've seen it a bunch of times, Kids yeah. would sing these lyrics that they had no idea how racy they were at the time. Indeed. Act them out of the school musicals. The yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, yeah. No, I think the longevity of it is it speaks for itself. Yeah. Grease 2 has actually um, become something of a favourite over years. Like the appreciation mm. has, has grown with that one. Yeah. Uh, it's The difference between the two is that Grease, the songs form the narrative. Mm. The lyrics are the story. Yeah. Grease 2, they're just isolated songs yeah. that do relate to a scene, but they don't push forward. The, yeah. They don't push the narrative any yeah. further. I just forgot about but that. But they're narrative. good songs. Okay. And the set pieces are fantastic. Is Grease based on... Uh, I see, I don't even know. Is it? It's not an original concept that was put into a film, or is it based on a Broadway play, a musical, That's sorry? That's a great question. I don't know. Something in me wants to say there was a stage production yeah. first. Which I think there was. Okay. Obviously, many came after. Yes. Um, the fact that this is a spitball means that we don't research before we talk. So yeah, that's a good we question. Need to find that we can be fact checked. Someone might want to drop us a comment. The great thing about that film is the two performances. I think. 
all of the performances. Yeah. <laughs> all of the performances in that one. I, I think Stockard Channing is amazing. Yes. I love that Olivia Newton-John's in it and she's she's Aussie. I love yeah, that. It's great. She was, her, it was a stage show because she's supposed to be British. Okay. And she was big at the time. She there was the flavour of the month. She was. Yeah. Olivia. So there we go. We answered our own question. We nailed it. So quickly, yeah. fistful of dollars. Oh. Are we done with Greece, are we? We're you're, done. You're, too, you're too eager, mate. You're too eager. Okay. Where to begin? Fistful of dollars. What great are your thoughts? I love that era of spaghetti westerns. Obviously, Sergio Leone loved pretty much all he does. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Yes, uh, <laughs> indeed. It should have stuck to. Um, yeah, they they were interested at the time because, like, within Hollywood, they weren't that popular. No, they were the enemy. They were. I love the this. The, if you get the Blu-rays, the making of docos, I, I was fascinated because they were made literally for nothing. There was yeah. no expectation. They all record in different languages. Yeah. Clint Eastwood had to buy his own cigars. Uh, he bought his own costume. Like, I just love that. And it turned out to be these sort of timeless works. I know Fistful is definitely the least of the three. I actually need to say this, because when we had our sequel discussion, I, I didn't emphasize how much I love The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. Second greatest sequel of all time, people. The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. <laughs> anyway, but I, yeah, it's a great film. I love The Dollar Trilogy. I love the scene in Back to the Future too, where Biff's in the jacuzzi with the, with the babes, yeah. and he walks in and he's watching uh, Fistful of Dolls. You know, this scene, that's mm-hmm. great. Anyway. Well, because they kind of reference it to in the third film. In the third film, yeah. yeah, the same way with the bulletproof vest. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Um, the soundtrack's amazing. S- oh, and, yeah, Ennio Morricone, it's staggering film. It's actually, it's Fistful's pretty hard hitting. Like it it's the other two are more mellow. That it's the R-rated one. It is in the Australian and system. Deserves to be like it's f- full on. Like it's pretty confronting. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad, glad we hit that. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> Well, that's Spitball for another week. Yes. Uh, if you like the concept there, just hit us up on um, Facebook and uh, YouTube. The videos are far more entertaining, I would say, because wow. you can see our reactions and that look of dread when it lands on something we yeah. don't know a lot about. <laughs> that's right. Hi, guys. It's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen with a review of Uncut Gems. Basically, a shot of adrenaline straight to your heart, uh, posing as a film. Now, Uncut Gems is relatively divisive, and I think there is very good reason for that. That's because this movie stars Mr. Adam Sandler. Now, Netflix is inked to deal with Sandler to produce original content from him, and I would go out on a limb and say that they're probably some of the worst movies that have ever been made. So audiences would really fall into two categories, where they don't trust Sandler as a creative force, or they do buy into his certain McDonald's Happy Meal brand of entertainment. And so when you click on this film, Uncut Gems on Netflix, you are in for a very, very rude shock. And that's because this is one of the few times in his career, like Rain Over Me and Punch Drunk Love, where Sandler has associated himself with very serious filmmakers, these being the Safdie brothers here. And what they've done is that they are telling the story of Howard, a gem dealer, in so over his head that the movie just basically should come with a vile of Xanax. It is that anxiety inducing. Uh, what the Safties do is really interesting. They're kind of, you know, some people think that they are the heirs apparent to Martin Scorsese, and there is definitely a realism to their films. Uh, Good Time was their previous film, so you kind of know what you're in for if you've seen that, and they just layer anxiety. They just throw in uh, they look they're contrivances, but they feel like real contrivances. So when we follow Howard here, like I mean, he has got bad debts, a bad marriage, a mistress who's unsatisfied. He has uh, insubordinate co-workers. I mean, this thing just keeps coming at him. And there are certain sequences when they come to this perfect storm and you just want to get away from it. But what is so powerful about this film and makes it pretty exceptional is that Sandler leans right into it and you can see this gleam in his eye. And this character of Howard you can see that he is getting off on this. This is how he exists, this is how he flourishes. And without all of this chaos in his life, what would he do? And so you start to buy the end to really kind of affiliate with him and you go, okay, I get it. I, I'm empathizing with this character. I, at first it's like, you're like, who would want to live like this? But by the end, you kind of, you get the high, you understand why he's kind of chasing this thing. And look, and it's infectious. Um, the movie is shot in a really kind of like kitchen sink, unvarnished way. It has some very kind of strange, like kind of like 80s flourish. There's a bit of a synthy score and some uh, shots of the universe. And so you know that you're watching kind of like an A24 art house film in a way. But look, I mean, this is my jam. I really kind of like this. I, I like going to the cinema to be challenged and Uncut Gems is a very, very challenging film. So uh, I have heard about some people turning this off at about the 10, 15 minute mark. So look, 
it doesn't get any better, it only gets worse. So if you don't want to subscribe to this level of anxiety, yeah, maybe get out early. But for those, yeah, that like to get challenged, I reckon Uncut Gems is a rock and roll, idiosyncratic, interesting movie. And so for me, look, I yeah, look, I'd give it five stars. I think that it's definitely some of, if not the best work of Sandler's career. And you know, and I'd love to see him team up with these brothers again and produce more work. So yeah, Uncut Gems, check it out on Netflix now. And as for the debate of coffee or tea, is there even a debate? Coffee all the way. I mean, coffee kind of classifies as a drug, doesn't it? I mean, it keeps most movie critics I know completely upright. Look, maybe when I settle into old age, I might like a cup of Earl Grey, but uh, I need a kick. I need something good. So give it to me, hot, cold, frappuccino. Anyway, team coffee for life. Wonderful anniversary, dear, and thank you for the flowers. You're welcome, darling. But if you could do one thing for me... What? Try to do something about your coffee. I hoped it would be better today. And we have reached that time in the show where we recommend movies for you to go out and see. Now, we mentioned earlier that these are ones we've actually watched in the well, last yes. week. Um, would you like to kick us off there? I would. I'm going to recommend the 2010 documentary feature, Senna. Yes. Directed by Asif Kapadia. Is yes. how you pronounce it? Quite... A prolific document documentarian. Indeed, yeah, staggering. He's actually changed the form, I think, with his archive footage. You know, all that um, with which he did with this film, I believe, is quite influential in the world of documentary. Now, did you watch that knowing you were going to recommend it, or do you recommend it because you watched it? No, well, I have to come clean. It is one of my favourite documentary features, and I thought, oh yeah, I'm going to watch Center again. Yeah, <laughs> and did, and I thought, you know what, I have to recommend this at some point. I love this film. It would be one of my favourite films overall, I would say. I'm not an F1 fan by any stretch, have only a casual interest in the sport, and I just want to say that if you're the same, by no means uh, let that dissuade you. It's one of those films, it doesn't matter if you're interested in the topic. This is what I love about the kind of documentary he makes. Did yeah. he do Amy? He did Amy. Yeah. So what, what I love about his work is that he attacks a subject that many people have zero interest in whatsoever and then presents a really compelling story. That's right. It's very cinematic center and uh, more cin cinematic than a lot of documentaries I've seen. It's got an original score, which yep. is brilliant. I don't know who did it, but it's fantastic. Mm. It's amazing. It's incredibly emotional. It's captivating. It has a, an amazing narrative. Senna had this incredible rivalry with Alain Prost, the French driver, yep. and that drives the whole narrative. These guys were on the same team, then they separated, hated each other, and that just goes throughout the whole narrative. It's captivating film. I, I don't know if you know the story of Ed and Senna, but the ending is quite gut-punching, yep. emotional. You may shed tears. I know I did. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's, it's a brilliant film. Highly recommended. It, it's it's it plays like any great film with a captivating narrative, captivating main protagonist. Good one. Um, has a great antagonist, and you yeah must watch. See it, yeah. Senna. Dare I say it, Stone Cold documentary classic. <laughs> I saw it theatrically. Yeah, I haven't amazing. watched it since, but I'm going to revisit that based yeah. on the recommendation. It's a great one. I wish I had seen it in the cinema. Yeah, it's great. Now, look, just to completely flip that coin, uh, the coin landed in a little bit of dog shit, all right? So that's going to be my recommendation this week is uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to pave or paint a picture of a stark <laughs> juxtaposition. Yeah, a, a contrast. <laughs> uh, butt boy. <laughs> okay, so this one was released last week through Umbrella Entertainment, and this is one of the most surprising films I've ever seen for a number of reasons. And stick with me here, Keith. Uh, I, I'm trying, I, yes. I, I, <laughs> I actually think you would get something out okay. of this one. So the premise, this is... Okay. Lay it on me. Yeah. It's about a guy that shoves things up his ass. Yes. Everything from dogs. like doesn't matter the size, doesn't matter the species. It fits up his ass. Yeah. Don't ask how the science it's of that works. It's one of those talents. It just does. And so things go missing. And then suddenly there's a missing child. I see. Right. So you're thinking, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And that's exactly what you're thinking. But you're also thinking, why is it shot so well? Like, mm. Why is this actually cinematic? What is going on? And then they introduce the film noir. So I see. you've got the detective who's investigating. Wow. The detective that starts to suspect that something is going up this guy's ass and no one else believes him. The Sam Spade figure. Yes. And the guy that plays the detective does it in a very young De Niro, Sean Penn kind of way. He's got mm. the greasy hair, sort of leather jackets, you know, the squinty eyes. Yeah. He's great. Okay. 
But what's amazing about this film is the way that they can have you completely suspend your disbelief to the fact that you can buy this as something that's possible within their universe. Yeah. So you go beyond this, oh, ha, ha, how could someone shove an entire human up their ass to maybe that's up his ass too. Yeah. And how the hell are they going to find out? You're questioning. I tell you what, get onto Butt Boy. If you go and look at the accolades, it's highly received. Wow, okay. The accolades are quite steady. American film? Yeah, it's an American film directed by a guy called Tyler McCormack who plays Butt Boy. Wow. Um, Citizen Kane-esque. <laughs> <laughs> look, it's such a hard film. Like I reckon many of my film critic colleagues have struggled with this one because how can you hit praise on a film that just in conversation is not going to sell. Yeah. I remember sitting in a media screening and there were two fairly well-known film critics sitting behind me having this discussion. Did you see Butt Boy? Because it screened at Monster Fest. Mm. And both of them were, were discussing how the hell they're going to write about it. Yeah. How they're going to have credibility for this great film that they thought was excellent. Mm. When you read it on paper, it's not going to sell. It sounds outlandish, yeah. Yeah, so Butt Boy. So I guess the only way to know is to... View it. Yep. So Umbrella Entertainment, I mean, they're a local company that, you know, deserve our support anyway. So they have a streaming platform. Get on there. Get mm. on there, people. Butt boy. Mm. BB. <laughs> <laughs> Time to announce the winner from last week's competition. Each week, our social media engagement continues to grow, which is amazing. Considering the fact that we're really limited with our, you yeah. know, publicity funding, with the lack of um, advertising partners and whatnot because of Corona, uh, it's great. So it's awesome. Everyone that's been um, commenting, liking, you know, sharing, we really appreciate it and it really motivates us. So, Thank you, Brody. <laughs> it's more than Brody. Brody's yeah, our number one, but bro, you're in Brody's bad books, dude. Like, yeah, you know. he's in mine. <laughs> so, That's why I mentioned it. The person that we chose at random for winning this week's mystery prize is Jan Miller. Awesome. So, Jan, we've got some, uh, some special movies coming your way. I'm going to be in touch and we'll organize to get them to you. So... We have more to give away, and they are coming from Eagle Entertainment, our friends. But once again, I'm not going to tell you what they are. The fact that you don't really have to do much to win these means I'm not even going to... It's going to be a surprise. It's a mystery box. Yeah, so if you've clicked the like, you're eligible. That's right. Simple as that. As I said, like, comment, subscribe to our YouTube channel. All of the above, and you're in the draw to win some juicy stuff. Here's some really cool news for you before we bring this baby to an end. So... There's a handful of interconnected cinemas throughout Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, Lido Cinema, Classic Cinema, uh, Cameo mm. in Melbourne, and then you've got the Ritz in Sydney. You've heard of these? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So they've launched their own video on-demand platform, and they're screening new releases as well as classics, over 100 titles, including recently Colorado Out of Space, which we talked about on the last two episodes, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, Honeyland, a whole lot of stuff. And it's really cheap. It's great. So they're not getting people through the door. There's no one in their seats. And this is a really brilliant initiative. These companies are having to sort of think outside the box to bring people in, or for lack of a better word, mm. to. Yes. <laughs> but interesting, having said that, we've had a discussion recently about all of these pop-up mm. you know, online demand services. And I'm just wondering with that, um, you know, the, the regulars, the staples, your Netflix and your Disney Plus, are people going to pay yeah. And I think this is the one that maybe suggests they will because the tickets or purchase for a film is only like four ninety nine. Wow. Uh seven ninety nine is the max. It's great. Yeah, depending on the film. And you get forty eight hours to view them after purchase. Yeah. So I just wanted to draw attention to that. So Lido Classic Cameo and Ritz, get on it. These are, for lack of a better word, independently run cinemas. Mm. They're not part of a bigger chain. And um the fact that they've done this is cool and you can see some of these new movies it's brilliant uh, so just go to any one of their websites and um follow the links fragrant Brings us to the end of another episode. We're just chewing through these, Keith. Just chewing through the fat of Good Movie Monday <laughs> and it's tasty fat. 
Well, next week begins another two-part interview phase of ours. We've got an interview with New Zealand director Jason Lee Howden, whose new cult film, Guns Akimbo, starring Daniel Radcliffe, is about to hit home entertainment. So it's going to be a really fun and informative conversation. You don't want to miss it. So we do hope you come back next Monday to listen to that. Also, a bit of a disclaimer, um, Folgers, Dilmar, Lipton, not sponsors of the show. No, but you're welcome to be. But we thank them for the hilarity, don't we? We do, thank you. (laughs) Those little nuggets of gold. We hope you enjoyed those. And uh, Keith, well, that's another show in the bag, mate, but not a tea bag. Don't get too excited. I'll try not to, Glenn. I'll try and contain myself. I think myself. it's obvious, you know, which beverage has won this round. Well, I, I, don't, th- I don't think it's obvious. I, I think it's obvious that there's been some bias happened here, but the majority is wrong. I assure you there's been no bias here. So we're going to go out with a song called Black Coffee <laughs> by Humble Pie. My um, Black Coffee is where it's at. Uh, Good Movie Monday. Okay, so we just reach over, get a tea bag, shake it off. You know, because some people like loose tea. I like mine in a bag.
Okay. And we get some water, which is just boiled. And then we just get a spoon. Okay, a nice spoon. And just stir it around. And just go. Doo.